If you love our content, please subscribe to our Patreon. You can find the link in the description. I've been your host, Gene. Coco Power Rangers! Hey, welcome to Creative Block. We're your host, Gene. And V. We interview people in the animation industry about their life, work, and hobbies while we doodle jam. We asked people on Twitter if they had specific topics they wanted us to discuss, as well as some drawing prompts. And today with us, we have Lee Cree. Hey! Hello! <laughs> that intro. Yay. <laughs> I, uh, I think we're going to get flagged for that within the first uh, five seconds. You get like a copyright strike from YouTube? Me- immediately <laughs> copyright strike. Because I, I was that pitch perfect, you know? <laughs> You're like, God damn it. <laughs> we got to take it down. Yeah. It was worth it. We will make no money off this video, but I had I had to give you the Power Rangers intro. Thank you. I had to. Makes me so happy. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I know I know what you like. Sorry to everyone about my microphone, but I'm having some technical issues. Um, so it's not going to sound as crisp as usual, but uh, hopefully that's not a big deal. That's the only reason why people tune into this podcast. Chain. People like to hear voice. my voice. Yeah. People <laughs> love to hear my voice. And no Sorry. one else... Lee, you can just yeah. blame it on Gene if the episode doesn't do well. It's, it's all Gene's <laughs> fault. Yeah, that's fine. I think we should just start muting uh, every, uh, Clem, uh, our editor. Just mute everyone else and um, <laughs> just have it be me from here on out. And uh, let's see what let's see what happens to the views if if that if this episode does really well. Well, then we'll know. Oh. We'll know what people are really here for. Him. I'm just kidding. Uh, we got the three on the show thanks for coming on the show thanks for inviting me i'm like actually nervous now (laughs) why is it because you're is it because my voice is so overpoweringly or is it because you have achieved incredible achievements yes i used achieve twice in the same sentence like (laughs) being a storyboard revisionist a storyboard artist an animator at tit mouse on shows like critical role and star trek lower decks I mean, I guess so. Is that is that why? Is that, is why, that why you're, you're nervous? nervous? I'm just nervous altogether. This I'm episode's always... a disaster already. Uh, tell us who you are and what you do from your words. From my words, I'm Lee Cree. I am a 2D animator uh, and a storyboard artist. Uh, originally from New York, uh, born in Hoboken, New Jersey, but then I moved to New York when I was. 12 if i remember correctly it's kind of hazy um and yeah moved to california last year perfect timing i know oh yeah and yeah been working in the industry for like over a year now but before that i was working freelance for two years so yeah but now i'm currently a revisionist on the new critical role adult animated series so yeah (laughs) That's great. Yeah, you you kind of uh, moved to LA at the worst possible time, probably. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I did. When everything is on fire and everyone is stuck inside. So uh, talk about that, because I think that that to me, that's like a nightmare is like moving to LA to pursue my my dreams and then not even being able to go outside for a while. So how did you cope with that? Oh, man. So luckily, as I mentioned before, I was working like freelance from home like two years prior um to moving out to california so i was already used to like what my day-to-day would look like 
if I were to just work from home forever. Right. But when I moved out here, I was so ready to make friends and live that LA life dream, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and What's just, the LA life dream for you? I don't know, getting brunch or something. That's what, that's what <laughs> getting, getting brunch. I love it. Getting this brunch. is not real LA though. Shit. It's mimosas, right? It's just like, yeah. you go to LA to get mimosas. The first time yeah, I, I got brunch in LA was literally like earlier this month. No! <laughs> and was it everything you you dreamed it would be? Yes, it was bougie. It was ex- <laughs> it was expensive for no reason. And it was a perfect yeah. day. So I got everything. Yeah, that's, that's LA brunch. Was it that's also, it was the weather like ridiculously, really, but I guess like in New York, it gets also really, really hot. Oh yeah, so. it gets hot. Yeah, it gets humid over there, but in California. It's arguably worse. Yeah, it is. It's awful, but I kind of miss it, you know, like, I like, I like to know that I'm on fire, whereas in California, <laughs> I can't tell if I'm on fire. <laughs> you'll know, you'll know when you're on fire. <laughs> when everything when you have fires here. You're just a husk of a person because you're so dehydrated. That's true. <laughs> if you don't drink uh, like four gallons of water. Yeah. And enough about the weather. We want to hear about your career and how you got your start. So let us know. Um, or tell us, tell us like how little baby Lee uh, got her start. Oh, little baby Lee, as my mom would like to say, I was drawing since like. I was born apparently. Holy shit! <laughs> that's what that's what my mom likes to say. That's a new one. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't I don't believe her though. <laughs> so. Okay, your mom's a liar. Got it. <laughs> no, she's not a liar. She just I think she's just really proud. <laughs> so she just said. No, that's good. Oh, that's really. Yeah, cute. that's cute. But yeah, baby Lee was always drawing, but I never like took art very seriously um until like i was nine years old yeah nine years old which was uh at a time where there was a lot going on in my life (laughs) my parents were like going through custody battles because like they're divorced and everything um so yeah that is rough my uh my aunt would sometimes watch us and babysit us and she knew we liked pokemon so she so there was like a there was a film festival going on in New York City called the Tribeca Film Festival. I'm pretty sure everybody knows about this. It's like a well-known film festival. And they were showing Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, they were showing this uh Japanese animated film called Brave Story and mm-hmm. I think my aunt thought it was Pokémon, so she was like, "Oh, like this, oh. right?" Um so she went to like we went to go see this movie and this movie single-handedly like changed my life because it was like the first time I saw another character that was like around my age see like their parents separating because at that time and moment that was just something I was personally going through and my peers were didn't have like divorced parents and media back in the day whenever they portrayed like kids who are from quote-unquote broken homes which i don't like yeah. how they say yeah. that but they often portrayed kids who come from homes like that as like troubled or angry or bullies and stuff which is not 
wrong, but we really just wanted to like escape the reality that our our parents were like being separated. So right, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so that movie like single handedly like changed my life because I it was the first time I felt like I could be the protagonist of a story because mm. everything else I felt like I just wasn't ooh woo. Do you feel like that was like a a pivotal moment then? Yeah, it was very much a pivotal moment. I remember watching that movie and in my head clearly thinking, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. And I was like, I love hearing that. (laughs) So No, but that's that's great. Yeah. I, I, I love hearing about those kinds of moments and like I used to ask it more often in earlier episodes, but I realized that not everyone has those. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I love to hear that because I think that that's like really poignant and endearing when somebody when when you watch something that like from then on shapes who you are and like what you do like that's that's great. Yeah, yeah. I still love yeah. that movie. Like, um, after you saw the movie, after you saw, so is it um, Brave uh, Story? Sorry, uh, what was the name of the anime again? Oh, it, it was called the movie was called Brave Story, but I believe it was based off of like a novel or something. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After you watched that, so after you watched that movie, did you start like drawing more or did you, did that kind of like uh light up the motivation for you to like start drawing or kind of what was your next step after that? Oh, when I, after I watched that movie, I, I sorry, I stopped drawing because I have to think. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Good. You don't have to draw. We we are the one drawing. <laughs> I like I like this soft soup, man. <laughs> By the way, I'm looking up Brave Story, and this shit looks sick. I've never heard of this. It's one and, of uh, it's one of the very like before isekai became what it is today and for viewers who doesn't know what isekai is it is a genre of anime um that roughly translates to being transported into another world and uh nowadays isekai is very much a a generic unfortunately like type of story it's easy to like see the tropes and the plots and the beats mm-hmm. in an isekai, but Brave Story um, is one of the like very like few early two thousands like isekai uh, stories that kept true to the idea of a character going into a different world to learn a lesson, and they sure. come and they come out as a better person. You know, should you feel like? Um... Wizard of Oz is an isekai. Yes, that that's an isekai. <laughs> yeah, technically, yes. The, the first isekai story, yeah. Yeah. I guess it is. What was it? Um... I love I love it when uh people are like, is this an isekai? It's like, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, technically it is. Yeah, I've seen the book cover. Um, I feel like that's pretty iconic, but um it has a very distinct look to it. But uh the anime looks great. And what's interesting to me is that, uh, I'll have to check it out, but what's interesting to me is that, um, like, different generations will have different kind of um, pivotal anime or whatever to them. And we, you know, we try to get guests of different age groups and different generations. And, like, uh, 
we we haven't gotten enough younger artists on the show, I think. And I think that's it's interesting to me to see what kind of stuff was like crucial to younger artists in that young age. And the fact that I've never even heard this means that I <laughs> I might be getting I might be getting old. No, but, you're like, not you're not getting old. It's very much like this film, you only probably saw it if you like went to film festivals. <laughs> Well, maybe, but you know, but it, those kind of deep cuts are great. I, I love to hear people's deep cuts, the stuff that they like stumbled on and then it like shaped, you know, everything kind of for them going forward. Like that's, that stuff's great because I think it, it creates a unique flavor to your work and everything, which you definitely have. Oh, um, thank you. But, oh, of course. But yeah, tell us uh, what kind of stuff were you involved? What artistic projects were you involved in? after that, like through high school and kind of up until college? Oh, okay. So to answer V's question, yes, I, after I watched that movie, uh, I took art more seriously and I immediately came to the conclusion, I won't be able to like do Brave Story if I don't get good grades. Cause at that point I was like kind of average at school. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I just basically, I, I drew a lot and I studied really hard because I knew that in order to like be good, I had to get the grades and I just had to draw a lot. So I, I used to draw really bad comics from printer, printer papers and Crayola markers and Hell yeah. Crayola crayons and stuff. Um, but yeah, I remember just creating so much after that point from elementary school all the way through like high school we'll get to college later but yeah in sure, middle yeah. school it's yeah it's totally different um but in middle school uh that's when I actually started to dive in a little bit more into writing and I had a mm -hmm. I had a friend who wanted to like be like a novelist and we started writing uh stories and started sharing it with each other and it soon like grew into like this whole entire thing where I like, we would have these notebooks with chapters upon chapters of stories. And we would like hand our notebook off to one kid in one period. And then they would read it in second period and then hand it to the next person for third period. And then by the end Whoa. of the day, like our whole entire friend group had read the latest chapter of our stories. Wow. And oh, cool. That is so very cool. I I had up to like eight five star notebook volumes of wow. this particular story, uh, which I believe are still underneath the stairs of my parents' house back in New York. And if they are, I have to burn them because they're cringe. No, that's great. <laughs> I, that kind of stuff is so fun to see, like the the early works. Dude, you know, um, Oda, uh, Oda-san, yeah. he started writing One Piece when he, was in, when he was in, like, sixth grade, so. Whoa. You know? Yeah, he was just like, I go. love the pirate logo on Shonen Jump. I'm going to write, write about pirates, and and now it's the most popular. Boy, did he. <laughs> boy, boy, has he. Like a, a thousand and twenty chapters or some shit at this point. I, um, I don't know how but, he does it. I just don't know. He's in, he's insane yeah. and very unhealthy. <laughs> you started um just um as early as he did, so you know that's true. Uh, there's value in these uh in these stories. I think I think yeah. 
I hope so. Part of me wants to like go back and like re like workshop it because I think yeah. there's something still there. But then I'm also kind of afraid because I know what taste I was in, like stuff I was into in middle school. Oh, sure. So I'm just like, will it just be cringy to read? <laughs> yeah, of course it'll be cringy. It should be cringy. I feel it, like if it, you go, go ahead, V. No, I was going to say it would be, it would probably be cringy for you. But well, here's the thing, like you also, like depending on which audience you want to do your content for, like if you want to do content for an audience that is like the age you were when you wrote those stories, like that would mm. be like perfect material. You know what I'm saying? Like, obviously, yeah. well, it depends. Like if now, obviously, if you want to make content for like adults, yeah, probably not those story, but for kids, probably, probably good. You know? Yeah, there's, that's there's something. Yeah, there's something kind of pure about going back to ideas you had as a kid because you tapped into a simplicity that um, you had in your life that like you don't as an adult, but like kids they don't overthink things so like it's something that's interesting to me thinking back on stuff that I liked as a kid too because it's like oh I didn't question the plot details of this <laughs> flash cartoon or whatever the hell you know uh or this anime and now I'm like I don't like this because the structure of the plot is an integral it's like <laughs> I've, I've I, I know too much and uh I think that if you have that kind of stuff written down it's it's great. Like there's something, there might be something to it that you will come back to and like, yeah, it'll be cringy, but you, you can be like, oh wait, this is actually, this is kind of lit. Like you never know. You never know if, if there's something in there that's special. Oh, that's true. Cause I remember in that same bin with all those five-star notebooks, there was a, like the comics I was talking about, I made when I was like nine years old. My mom actually kept all of them. Of course she did. God knows why she did. That, oh, that, that's what moms do. Moms keep uh, old, embarrassing artwork from when you were a kid. But yeah, I, that's their job. I rem I remember like reading it, and I guess I was just enamored by every like all the thoughts that I had as a kid, and how I just was willing to create and just have fun and make up the strangest concepts like there was this one particular comic series i wrote it was called ruby shine with and essentially it was basically what steven universe is in terms of the gemstones but oh, okay. <laughs> way prior to steven universe ever becoming a thing um i was like wow interesting how there are some ideas that like even as a kid like are similar to stuff now sure um but they're just Honestly, executed differently <laughs> yeah dude, like when you read a lot of fanfics like a lot of the main characters names are like gemstones and stuff i think gemstones have been in like the psyche of, yeah like, of course yeah school, um writers for <laughs> yeah it's like what's your gemstone say about your personality yeah <laughs> that's what it nice. is yeah, it's like, uh, it's cool because it's, there's so many and they all have like an identity. And so it makes total sense to me why it's such a, it's like, like universal a, a recurring thing. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's so easy to attach personality to, to those things. And I think Rebecca was just sort of the first to get a show based on that, yeah. or at least, you know, uh, yeah, the first to, to push through the, the development pipeline. Um, yeah, acknowledge it too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I know there have been other people who have 
done similar ideas and just didn't get to that point but like yeah because i remember uh like maybe this is showing i mean i'm i'm only 24 but like this is just showing i guess my age to even younger people listening to this like trolls was a saturday morning cartoon where like it was basically these girls and they were all gemstones and i thought that was really cool but not many people remember that no i don't remember that it was a i forgot what channel it was on it was either on the cw it was probably cw or like four kids those were like saturday morning cartoon shows where i actively woke up at 6 a.m to make sure i watched Yu-Gi-Oh at 8 a.m. <laughs> Hell yeah. 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 Which which Yu-Gi-Oh? Original Yu-Gi-Oh? It was the original Yu-Gi-Oh. And then okay. they only went up to GX. Yeah, they went up yeah. only to GX because I think at that point, four kids, something happened to four kids where it just, you know, like Thanos snapped into like disappearance. Uh, wow. And then there was just the CW where it had trolls, uh, what it, what was it? Lunatics Unleashed, which was a weird, oh my god, dark and gritty Looney Tunes yeah, action the show. Looney Tunes. I remember oh my that. god, I <laughs> never. Okay, the only thing I know about this show is a promo picture, which I always thought was completely insane. It was real. I look cool I was, as hell. I don't know what you guys are talking about. It was amazing, but also weird because it was just like Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny are like edge lords. <laughs> But are yeah. they like? Are they like? Do they get emotional? Like, does like Bucks Bunny say things like "This is my city" kind of thing? Yeah, it, <laughs> I it was. Did. It, it was very like um, like the best way I can describe it is like it was very much an action show that was trying to be very melodramatic, but you oh knew God. that the characters were like Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, like, this is so insane. I love this. It sounds like a fever dream, honestly. Like, yeah, a- it really feels like a fever <laughs> it dream. It was a fever dream. Like, yeah, like I lived through that and it feels like a fever dream. It was, so but I loved every minute of it. <laughs> what other uh, what other kind of stuff do you f- remember that was like really impactful on you? It doesn't have to just be TV either. Um, uh, that unfortunately, most of it is TV. So yeah, that's fine. Why is that unfortunate? Yeah, that's, that's oh, it's, totally I, valid. I say it's unfortunate because like my not only were my parents divorced, but they were also like working a lot. So I stayed yeah. home a lot uh, as a kid. So a lot of my experiences yeah. in just like learning about the world and stuff was through TV. So oh, I yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah, yeah very relatable. Hey, what do you think we're drawing? You know, <laughs> we've drawn uh, some Supermans, some Supermans um, and a Speedo, <laughs> some Supermans. We can't like, seem to agree on how, what Superman looks like. Yeah, like Lee, you're the expert on Superman. Does he have a Speedo? What does it look like? No, I'm not. I'm not an expert. That was that was mm, an accident. I don't know. That was an accident, guys. I swear. I don't know. Listen, he might be the expert here. I did not anticipate. The amount of, I'll say, reply <laughs> I would get when I drew that picture. You are the Superman expert now. Um, <laughs> other than Superman, yeah, what other kind of stuff uh, do you remember being a big influence on you? Um, so, thankfully, my parents were also, like, nerds. So, things like Star Trek, 
uh, Marvel, DC, Star Wars. Um, Yeah, that type of stuff has always been a part of my life. Like, I don't know why my dad did this, but I, I specifically remember watching one of the prequel star Wars prequel films a lot of times in the theater <laughs> and i'm pretty sure That's i shouldn't so have nice. been watching that movie because it was rated pg-13 or something and i was like oh uh, they're pretty tame it's like 10 i don't remember yeah i just remember they're watching it a lot <laughs> yeah i i remember uh, sorry I, um for talking about myself but yeah like i remember like when i was like I think 10 or 11 my dad was saw that alien the first movie was playing on tv and he was like girls girls come over this is the best movie we literally come to the living room sit in front of the tv when the alien like shoots out of the person's tummy i was traumatized i had nightmares for like like, oh my god no my parents uh yeah my parents you know what? I feel like I'm blessed because now I'm thinking about it. My parents did the their justice of like making me watch good movies because my mom is a huge fan of like classic Hollywood movies and films. So oh, that's good. like Vincent Price, Judy Garland, uh, Audrey Hepburn. So yeah, I also uh, old kung fu movies like Hong Kong Ooh. kung fu oh, that movies. Is so cool. Um, my mom loved that I remember when I was uh my mom used to live at Rockaway Beach up in Queens New York Mm -hmm. I was watching a film called Challenge Soccer and it was the yeah it was the coolest movie that movie fucking rips this movie is so good because not only is it like like has really good kung fu fights like really yeah. crazy over the top special it's like effects. dragon ball shit yeah yeah the story is also like really like yeah. good and then you have like good emotional beats and it's really funny it's, it's not like everything it, yeah it's just the perfect package i remember watching that film and being like wow this is amazing and then through like kung fu films i can't talk kung fu films uh that's when i got introduced to like jackie chan films um, which yeah. are also amazing because I just enjoy uh, like the action and the comedy, like the balance act between the two. And yeah. as a storyboard artist, I always watch Jackie Chan films because he just does an amazing job of incorporating the environment with the choreography of the fight. Yeah, And mm-hmm. it's just shot so nicely and it reads so well and it, there's no real shaky cam. I hate fight sequences where it's super close and just shaky cam. I can't understand what's going on yeah agreed very very percent oh man but yeah my my parents were nice enough to (laughs) make me cultured i guess oh and jerry lewis films i i love jerry lewis films like cinderella man and stuff yeah (laughs) it's so weird to talk about it out loud what what about what is it about jerry lewis movies did you like i just i think it was just the comedy I really enjoyed the sure. slapstick comedy of like Jerry Lewis films. And Cinderella Man was always my favorite because surprise, surprise, like it's a gender swap of Cinderella, like the classic story. Um, mm-hmm. And something, something about those types of stories always enamored me. Like the, what's that Cinderella film with uh, Brandy in it? Uh, I forgot. Oh I, God. Like uh... that, it's the one where like, 
everybody in the whole entire cast is like a person of color and i just yeah i love that movie because i just thought to myself oh my goodness that could be me or like you know cinderella doesn't have to be a woman and that type of stuff i've always oh, been enamored great. by those types of stories where it breaks the status quo um so to speak that's a nice that's a nice uh yeah. superman booty that was just called uh cinderella <laughs> It was just called Cinderella, but yeah, it was just the cast of uh, people of color. Yeah, I forgot like what year it came out. It was like in the 90s or something, maybe? 97. I'm looking at, yeah, 97. Okay, so I was only one at that time, but I remember watching this movie oh. a little bit. <laughs> Probably a little later. I remember watching it later, but that year I was only one years old. <laughs> it imprinted on you at I one could... year old. It was imprinted. But yeah. Uh, I just love movies that have good comedy, good action. That's really generic, but <laughs> no, I think that's like no, I think that's great. That's yeah, that's because you know, like there's like different um, type of movies. You know, like you could have you, you know, there's like so many genres, and I feel like action comedy is a very specific genre. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's not much of it, at least in like animation. Now I'm thinking about it, I'm just like yeah, no, there, there it, isn't. It like it's either good. leans more towards one way or the other, but hundred percent, yeah. It's it's very hard to pull off. It's very very hard. I think not a lot of people are able to pull it off consistently. Like honestly, in any kind of media, like on the long on on the long scale, I I honestly believe one of the only medium I can think of is uh, One Piece in terms of like consistently funny mm. and consistently a lot of action you know like that's true anything that that goes like for a long time like Dragon Ball eventually was just like eh, it just, just became action. action it just became yeah. action or like yeah I don't know I mean wh wait which one of you has watched Bobo 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 <laughs> Oh my god, I am so happy. I am so Listen. happy. Finally, uh, Bobo fan rises. My uh. my younger sister and I, when we were, uh, so this was like, I want to say 2010, around 2010. This is right before like I moved to New York. My younger sister and I discovered the show, Bobo 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 Bobo, with many bows yeah. in it on Toonami. Bobo 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 Bobo. And I don't know what it was about that show, but I love it. <laughs> it's insane. It's honestly, in my in my opinion, it's basically the Monty Python of anime. It, That's literally what it, it is. Really is. Yeah, I mean, I can agree with that. You know, it's like it's like super nerdy because like the thing. I think the problem with Bobo Bo is that like you need to know so much about shonen tropes to really yeah to uh, understand it. Yeah, because all of it is just riffing on all the, sh and also not just shonen tropes, but also a lot of, um, like, Japanese culture. Like, I'm not yeah. saying that, I'm not an expert on Japanese culture, but I feel like before I, I watched Bobobo, I had read so much manga that I would say I, I would get, like, probably 70% of the jokes. I wouldn't say, like, I don't think I know enough about Japanese culture to get all the jokes, but yeah, you, and all, and also it's just so random. And it's very stupid. random. And yeah. that's another, that's another anime where like, I guess influenced my type of comedy. Cause I don't know, there's just something about it, but you're right. A lot of Bobo is dependent on you have reading every single shonen manga in existence up until that point. But 
as a kid I don't know what it was it just enticed me more to read shonen manga so yeah I think there's also just like that I don't know there's like joyful energy of someone just like you can tell that the guy is like having fun like yeah they're having fun it's like a gintama like which is purely like a yeah i was gonna say it's like a comedy show but you probably won't understand the jokes if you don't really understand tropes in anime and manga like japanese culture but something about that makes me want to like dive in more into the culture and the tropes anyway so that when i watch it again i'm like i get the joke now (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly i think there's like a, a part of it that's like ooh, you're gonna be part of like a secret club kind of like i mean a lot of monty python fans kind of feel that way it's kind of like ooh, we're part of this like absurd uh absurd humor kind of club you know like it's like very yeah specific. definitely like, it's, it's very nerdy it's very nerdy yeah <laughs> yeah i love that type of stuff yeah you have, you have to get it <laughs> what was uh did you go to art school i did go to art school so after high school obviously uh i went to a very small private art college called montserrat college of art in beverly massachusetts that's about like 40 minutes away from like boston mm-hmm. but yeah i went there for three and a half years because in high school i was taking college courses starting my sophomore year or junior no sophomore year is my sophomore year of high school i started taking college courses and by the time i had graduated i had enough college credits from AP courses and actual like community college courses to skip a whole entire semester once I actually got into college so yeah I studied there for three and a half years I majored in animation and interactive design I I minored in art history although I should have done creative writing but I'm I love history so much and I just wanted to write a 15 page paper about animation (laughs) interesting okay was animation part of um were you able to write about animation in your art history class yes so the requirement to get the minor was you had to write a 15 to 20 page paper about anything you wanted and that is cool i mean it was cool for me because I could do anything I wanted. And at the time, I think other students who were like in the same minor as me didn't realize that when they meant anything, they literally meant anything. So I remember the day when we were presenting our ideas, I, I step up to the plate and I have a whole entire presentation and it's titled Animation Propaganda in World War Two. And then wow. and the subtitle is like America germany and russia oh it was world war ii the cold uh, to the cold war and that is so interesting and i basically broke down how animation was used as propaganda in america to south america uh russia and germany and how like it all they all sort of played in on the same like tropes and stuff and how they were able to master um you know influencing you know the public into their cause Mm -hmm. quote unquote oh that's really really cool and i think that's very very true i think like um that you wrote a paper on that is really awesome because 
no matter what kind of story you're telling, like when I say you is universal you, you know, like yeah, yeah. like through a novel, through like a religion, through an animation or a movie or, or like, I don't know, a video game. Like it is like kind of somehow tied to some form of propaganda. <laughs> oh yeah. And I mean, obviously the biggest contender in that paper was Disney. I did a, mm-hmm. I did a whole entire deep dive of certain Disney cartoons or shorts that were used at during that time to promote like the allies and beat the Nazis and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember presenting it and everybody in my class, all their jaws were like open and they were like, wait, is this, is this real? I was like, yeah, like I did the research. <laughs> what did and, they do? Was it just like boring, like standard? Yeah, it was Picasso. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like Picasso and uh, Van Gogh and the reality Snore. of his like mental health and stuff like that. Or somebody, there was only boring. one other project that I really liked, and somebody did like the perception of the color blue and how throughout Whoa. like art history how blue is used in certain areas and cultures it's specifically like with military and organizations and institutions mm-hmm. blue is used a lot so i thought that was really really cool but everybody else was sort of like i'm gonna dissect the mona lisa for the 50th time oh um, god yeah <laughs> just thinking about it is making me yawn like i i love that that you went completely in a different direction because yeah like how many more essays do we need about the fucking mona lisa we we, we don't and my art uh per, my art history professor was like so excited about it to the point where she like called me to the side oh. after class and she was just like i really want you to do this but you only have 20 pages and i feel like what you just presented was a whole entire textbook <laughs> and i was like maybe oh no so i can oh, only overshot it <laughs> overshot it so she was like maybe we just focus on the disney but if you really i really think you could just make this a whole entire book i'm like hmm, maybe I'm so another cool. part of my life <laughs> and i got an a plus on that paper <laughs> so yes nice she wanted i mean i, I would hope like yeah she wanted to like Write the forward when your book gets published. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, that was my nice believed in this. And I won an award for that paper, too. Because the, the, school, yeah, yeah, the school has, like, a like an award-like thing every year uh, for, like, the graduating students. And I, I won the Art History Award because of that paper. And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> I did. Yeah, that's dude. Great. Yeah, that's awesome. That is so what cool. kind of... What kind of uh, art projects were you working on while you were in school? Anything like notable? Um, not really. So uh, I say that I majored in animation at my school, but mm. the animation program was still very new. Um, mm. About like four years old by the time I had enrolled. So the school was primarily fine arts and gallery focused. So there wasn't really any like outstanding like projects that I did if anything I had more of headaches than a fun time when it came to that but there was one particular class that I remember and it was a board game design class and that was that was really fun where we got to make our own board game and I actually still have it um oh yeah that is cool that's so cool that's awesome 
It was called uh, So You Think You Could Be a Lawyer or something like that. <laughs> and the point That's of great. the game was it was sort of like a cards, cards Against Humanity style where like you pick a card, like two people pick a card and they have to defend <laughs> their uh, client to the judge. That's interesting. So and funny. the, and the judge, judge determines who wins the case. So it's very like quick, snappy rounds and you have to like think on your feet on like a pleading case or uh, defense or like objection. So basically Ace Attorney. That's like, that's like Ace Attorney, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. the Ace Attorney board game. That's crazy. That's so funny. That's so great. I love that. I, I love those kinds of games because I like arguing. But um, like there's one that, uh, that I like to play that uh, I forget what it's called, but it's like you pick categories of, uh, I think I played it with you, V. Where you, you yeah. like, yeah, you pick like categories of movie stuff. So it's like props, characters, scenes, uh, something. And, um, and then like one person is a director and everyone else is just trying to name a movie that has, you know, both of the two cards, like stuff that's in both of the two cards. So it'll be like um, a scene in a bar and like a character with a limp or something and you're like oh, oh harry potter and the chamber of secrets i know it's like you gotta just like name and then the director is like deciding and judging like mm, i don't know <laughs> and i remember we we got in i think v was there for this we got into it uh me and, uh, and ari who's been on the show where there there was a card that said a supernatural thing and he said spider-man and we were like that's not supernatural, dog. That's just like superheroes. He's like, no, but it's like supernatural. But it's like supernatural. And it's like, that's not supernatural. But uh, he's yeah, bit by a spider. Kind of really fun. Yeah, yeah. No, the science. This is there's a science to it. Um, it's more science but, fiction. Uh, yeah, but yeah. That sounds great. And then uh, what happened uh, after you graduated college? So, oh man, I was depressed. But before I graduated yeah, college, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> before I graduated college, uh, in my last semester, I think the summer of my last semester, I interned at Sesame Workshop that uh, makes Sesame Street good old puppets. Uh, and that was a fun time. And then that sounds great. I graduated and I was extremely depressed because that was not, like I didn't know what to do next. Mm -hmm. yeah since like nine years old I had the idea of like if I just do good at school I can like you know do the thing I want to do and then I reached mm. the end of like the school oh. route and I'm like mm -hmm. what do I do next what do I do that's very relatable honestly like I think this is like a sentiment that I wish was more discussed but I do relate to that a lot because it's like you think you're gonna go to school you think there's like this path that like paves its way to a job yeah. it's like that's not really how it works it's, it's like, not at all yeah when I was in school and I was in Goblin like some of my peers were getting freelance gigs and I wasn't and I was just like holy shit like how am I gonna get a job like all these people already have jobs they're already like working freelance and it's like yeah. and then it's like it kind of breaks the reality that you were like kind of like that you bought into right it's like yeah like, yeah and school get job and it's like no <laughs> no it's it's so much harder than that and it i went to a school that was more fine arts mainly because like 
cost wise, I my parents could not afford to send me to CalArts uh, or send me to sure. like SVA or something like that. And even then, the school that I did go to, I was on scholarship money and I had to keep my grades up. So I didn't have much of a social life either in college. Only talked to like maybe five people from college still, but only one mm-hmm. on a regular basis. So mm-hmm. yeah, and during college, like the animation department, it was very new and they were more focused on games and 3D and not TV animation or 2D animation in general. Because at that point, they just believed that 2D was dead. And the only way you can yeah. like work in animation is if you work in like games or you just do, you know, Toy Story and stuff. And that wasn't me. Uh, no, no shade to games or 3D, but it, it wasn't what I fell in love with. Don't get me wrong. I, sure. I love like Tangled. I love Toy Story. I love video games. I play... Animal Crossing every day. That's the only game I really play, but it, it, it wasn't what I wanted to do. And it wasn't until yeah. I took a storyboard class in my final year of college by a storyboard artist who worked on the show Archer and also the Netflix live action show, The Get Down. And that was mm-hmm. the that was my first ever introduction to like storyboarding. And I was like, wait, you mean I can draw and tell stories at the same time. I just don't have to like animate somebody else's stories. And it sort of just opened my mind. So Mm -hmm. I sort of like, I took that class and I just did everything I could to keep talking to the professor and like, you know, build a relationship with them and hear about their experience and all that type of stuff. And it worked in the long run because now we're friends and now I work in animation. But yeah, my school like didn't really have the connections to like set me up to find freelance or let alone a full-time job in the industry. That was something I had to do on my own. Um, Even the internship I got at Sesame Street, I ended up one way or another doing that on my own. My school never helped me with that. As much as they want to claim, uh, I guess, credit to it. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> how it be. That's how it be sometimes. But I do wish that's that, like, I, I wish they would just teach these young artists that getting getting the job is a job in itself. And there's mm-hmm. more to life than just grades. So, mm-hmm. mm. <laughs> The grades barely even matter in the long in the long term. They they don't they don't matter at all. <laughs> no, they really don't. Yeah. Nobody nobody's gonna ask you for your your grade, even if you wanted to get a visa, because that's like one of the you know that's usually one of the asterisks that I bring up on the show is like, mm-hmm. well, if if you are like a foreigner and you want to get into American animation industry you better get your diploma but like you know nobody cares about the grades on your diploma not even the uscis so you know yeah they just want to see the paper yeah graduated good you know good you can work here now <laughs> yeah just focus on your work more than anything yeah, yeah. Um, that's also the other thing about my school like i the professors because they knew i wanted to work in tv animation would often like I don't want to say put me down, but 
kind of put me down in a weird way where they they were they were yeah. essentially saying you'll never get a job if you draw this type yeah. of stuff but Interesting. I yeah I was actively like watching animation at that time as like I did for the rest of like like the rest of my life um but I, like at that time and it was a uh, Voltron was super big legendary defender on Netflix and I saw that and I was like draw anime <laughs> <laughs> yeah so wait so you were saying that your teacher was telling you not to draw anime um oh i've had tons of teachers straight up tell me in front of my face that if i draw anime i would never get a job i had a life drawing teacher who took my sketchbook while i was getting a drink on break and openly like mocked and humiliated my stuff because i drew anime the fuck? in front of the whole entire class and they were like I don't know also they were joining in and i was like this isn't cool like so what for most of fuck? my <laughs> so for most of my life uh as an artist i i've always been told to not draw anime <laughs> i think that's like i don't know why this is such a take i mean i'm hoping that within the next five to ten years this take will have completely like vanished because I think it has to, yeah. I mean, I'm, I hope it does, sure. but like, I do like <laughs> because when I was in school, I went through the same thing. Like, I had like an anime, like, not exactly the same thing as you, like, because I was like, I kind of internalized that criticism. So I didn't even dare draw anime because that was just like, oh no, bad. But, um, but like, we had an animation teacher telling us, like, well, animation in japan they don't know what they do because they animate on thirds and it's like <laughs> no yeah and it's just like but the animation looks great like who cares whether who it's cares? on twos or thirds if it works it works i don't know, it works. I don't know what's fuck. i think it's just like i don't know it's just the egos like the west is just like no way the east can be better than us i think that's yeah what it is. that's what that's it the is. only yeah that's the only thing i can i think. I do think it's like a weird like Westerners just having a superior what is it called a superiority complex or something yeah, like yeah. that because mm-hmm. I remember I was taking a like a short film class in college and I was presenting the storyboards and these were in like my sketchbook and I just I just drew however I needed to draw to just get the idea across so it was anime go figure and the teacher at the end of like me presenting my storyboards, the first thing that she said was, um, I mean, I just, this is just my only critique, but is it gonna look like that? Is it gonna look oh anime? God. And in my head, I was just like, is that a problem? Is, is, is it an issue? And that's why I asked her like, kind of it will is that a problem and she said well i just mean if you're gonna if you're gonna make it anime then i think you should just you know take a page from like miyazaki and satoshi khan which understandably those are like uh, they are rightfully like really great filmmakers but they're probably the only few japanese filmmakers recognized by like the western institutions of like hollywood and stuff very so. true and yeah so <laughs> ah so maddening i 
Oh man. Oh boy, oh boy. I can't believe we're still going through this. This is crazy. Yeah, that was uh, in 2016. That's crazy. <laughs> That's, That's crazy, crazy that that as as recently as that there are still teachers that hey teachers if you're out there stop that like, yes that's please please stop telling kids to do that i only had one teacher in my whole entire life who explained to me like why i couldn't draw anime in class and it was my apr teacher in high school and there was one day i legitimately asked him why can't i draw anime for like homework yeah. assignments and stuff and he broke it down very simply to the objective of the art course is to teach you the fundamentals, which is figure drawing, perspective, color theory, yada, yada, yada. My job is to make you a strong artist that is versatile so that you can adapt to any style. So if and right. when you draw anime, nobody can contest your skills or say that you lack fundamentals. And I took that at like 15, 16 years old and I was like, oh, that's why I need to learn how to draw the human body better. Okay. <laughs> I just want to my day. <laughs> and that's the truth. It's like, I think at the end of the day, like every single artist needs to like know the foundations. Like yeah. no matter what you want to do, if you want to do cartoons, if you want to do anime, if you want to do experimental, yeah. at the end of the day, if you're very, very tight on your on your fundamentals, like life drawing, et cetera, et cetera, it's just going to make you a faster artist and you're just going to be able to like finish your thesis film or your short that you want to start yeah. at the festival or, or just be like, or just be a faster storyboard artist. But at the end of the day, the style you choose as an artist does not matter. You should be able to draw whatever the hell yeah, you want to draw. And arguably, yeah, it's your own work. Yeah, it's your own work, and arguably, like, if you're working in TV animation, you are going to be changing your style a lot, or you're going to be adapting exactly. to different styles a lot. That's just 100%. the nature of the job. Like, I went from Star Trek Lower Decks to Critical Role. 100%. Like, yeah. those are two very different styles of art. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. What was your What was your first uh, What was your first actual like full time animation job? Uh, that was at Nickelodeon. I mean, well. I was an intern at Sesame Street. About it. You're going to talk about the Nickelodeon trainee program, right? Yeah, that was technically... Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, that was technically, like, my first, like, full-time job where I'm not an intern. Um, mm -hmm. So last year, I was a storyboard trainee for the Nickelodeon Artist Program and mm -hmm. was robbed of my experience by yeah. uh, the Panini. <laughs> 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 is that what we're calling it now i'm calling it the panini because you don't know like what if like by the time this episode comes out like it's all over and people like... are gonna be like did i miss something was there like a panini incident <laughs> it's that like, is so um, funny it's like saying the word like simp on twitch like what if it becomes that like we, we're not allowed to say it anymore yeah we can't say <laughs> we wait can't hold say. on simp you can't say simp anymore <laughs> on twitch you, you're not allowed to <laughs> oh wait. boy can you that sounds like a simp move to me i i have to hold i hold on i am so sad right now i love oh, man do you have to go and, and, and uh can you... some comments v no i'm just like, like no. hold on i gotta go edit some things i'm never gonna I'm, no sorry i'm like does that make me a boomer if i still say simp like no what, like... no <laughs> no I guess what happened was like when the word became about i guess a lot of people were using it on like 
Twitch and stuff to the point where I I guess it caused like a an outrage. I don't know. You just can't like actively say the word simp on stream sounds on like, Twitch. Sounds like a bunch of simps were upset. So I guess so. Like maybe it was demeaning to actual simps. I don't really mm, know. Whatever, so can you say thirsty instead of simping? Yeah, you can. You can say thirsty, but you can't say the word simp. Interesting. Well, we'll go. Okay, this. Okay, this is gonna delve into reply all type of content. So we'll keep going about your experience as yeah. an intern and trainee. Because leave a comment below if you still. Uh, if you still say so in your in your day to day life, yeah. <laughs> uh, what What would you like to hear? Like how it happened, or like the day to day, or <laughs> exactly. I would love to know what the day to day was like. Kind of what, like, kind of. Um, how and also how did you apply for it was there any kind of like uh hoops to jump through in order to get that position and oh. also what's the difference between an intern and a trainee oh man there were <laughs> so many freaking hoops i'm just gonna say it right now the interview process of the nickelodeon artist program is the most intensive interview process you will ever experience it's it's rough in yeah. your whole entire life i went really? through like more than 10 interviews oh my god for real that sounds kind of like jeff though jeff trammell when he was on yeah um, yeah, yeah sounds he did similar. the writing he did the writing exactly. one similar. yeah so uh backtrack the difference between intern and trainee so at nickelodeon the trainees are strictly like creative roles and the interns are like are a mix of creative and production people. Um, mm -hmm. Also, the pay is a little bit different and usually the interns are students, whereas the trainees are recent grads or people who are just like skilled enough to like make it through the interviews and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but outside of that, they're, they very much are like kind of similar where we have like a supervisor or a manager who we report to uh we get assigned to a production and we work on that production for however long we'll be on the program whether it's an internship or uh the training program and hopefully which the studio tries to do its best at is to place you on a production after you finish so those are like the real differences they're very like minute but uh at the end of the day the production interns or the social media interns or just interns in general at Nickelodeon are not so different from the trainees except for trainees are strictly creative roles they're not production there's no production trainee I don't think I've yeah. ever I've never heard of a production trainee before no because yeah. I mean that's so low paying unfortunately already yeah I feel like it's like you want me to do this work for no money <laughs> or it's like yeah. I don't know it, yeah it's like, I would it's, hope there isn't anything like that it's just it doesn't make any sense but uh how did i apply yeah. well in 2019 i came to california for the very first time in july of that year and towards the end of my trip which was like two weeks long i had made the decision mm -hmm. of like i have to move here because this is where i need to be and if i if i want to work in tv animation yeah so i told my older sister that who also wanted to move to california and we like we we both agreed like we're gonna work our asses off to like save money and move out to California together. So as I went back to New York, I had caught wind 
that there was a Nick artist trainee program. And I thought to myself, well, I should just give this a shot. And I only had about five days left to bust out a storyboard. Holy shit. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Say that again. How many days? Five. Uh, all right. Well, just a, a note to the audience. This is a yeah. really short amount of time. Uh, this is like, <laughs> don't do this. Don't do not be me. I had no clue that the submission period was a month long. Um, if you ever get a test, a storyboard test, and the person tells you you have 24 hours or less than a week, actually less than two weeks to do it don't take it <laughs> yeah. unless well it depends okay i'll just i'll just put like a little asterisk on this it's like um it depends how long the test is if yeah. someone gives you one single page of script and they tell you you have a week that's fair if yeah. they give you like friggin seven pages no way a week, say, you know there's like, no way no. that's happening never no. i personally my my uh and and i'll get off my soapbox really soon um no, but <laughs> do never take a storyboard test that is longer than two pages like that yeah yeah don't 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 do that i've i've done my fair share of three pages and only having a week and yeah no I two pages can't. of script is a, is an absolute maximum there's no reason why a showrunner should ask for more than two pages of script to be uh the storyboard task like that is that sounds that smells fishy uh but back oh, yeah. to you and your five days <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i came back to new york caught wind of this thing i only had five days left to put something together so i said all right i'm gonna put a storyboard together ended up making a storyboard for a personal project thinking that this is kind of good enough but also maybe it's not good enough and there was also like a portfolio mm. section where you submitted additional pieces, but I thought I was just supposed to upload like pieces that helps the people reviewing my stuff to understand what's going on in the storyboard. So I proceeded to just upload art of my OCs and stuff. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, that's really cute though. That's, I, <laughs> I love that. I actually really love that yeah and uh i think also at that time i had like put out a tweet saying like am i about to apply to the nickelodeon artist training program and chris pianca who was an alumni from my school oh, yeah he like dm'd me he was like do you need help because he was all he was an intern at nickelodeon yeah that's yes. when i first met him actually yeah so i was like yes like do you like do you have any tips and tricks so he like broke down like how to like answer the short questions and stuff and i'll forever yeah. thank chris for that absolute sweetheart yeah chris if, is great shout out to chris shout out to chris if you're listening to this hope you're doing well he might be i don't know <laughs> yeah i haven't <laughs> talked to chris in a while i hope you're doing well chris let's get chris on the show let's so, just yeah. stop this show now let's get chris on the show. let's just get chris and like have a party um but, like hey guys yeah, I uh, he like helped me break down the short answers. I finished my storyboards, which were extremely rough. Like they were not clean; they were very, very rough, but just enough information for you to like understand what's going on. And then like a handful of pictures of like thumbnails and OCs and stuff. And then I submitted it, and I thought to myself, 
this is not going to go anywhere. Uh, fast forward to the start of September, early September, I was talking to a friend and we were like exchanging like phone numbers at that time of moment. And this person lived in Burbank. So I got a phone call from Burbank, assuming it was them. <laughs> and I picked up the phone and they were like, oh, no. hello, is this Lee? And I said, yeah, this is Lee. And the next words that came out of this person's mouth was, this is the Nickelodeon uh, artist program. You've been selected oh. to move to the quarterfinals. And I remember freezing and I nearly cried on the phone. Oh, that's that's sweet. And I was like, sorry, I'm about to cry, but keep going. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> so oh. the, we, we set up our, uh, our, our next interview, which was a, a phone interview, and that went pretty well. And then they were like, we'll call you at the end of September to see if you made it to the semifinals or not. So in that time period, I was very, very anxious because I, I didn't think I had a chance. And I, like just getting past the first round was enough for me. So I remember like my best friend and I, we went on a trip to Boston together and I was just worried the whole entire time because I, I didn't know if I was going to get it or not. And he was like, listen, whether you like you get it or not, it's still like pretty amazing that Nickelodeon called you. Like you still did an amazing job and he was, he was right. Um, come to find out, um, uh, after I came back to uh, from that trip, I had went to New York Comic Con that next week, and I want to say the day before, it was like a two one or two days before, I uh, went to Comic Con. They called me, and I was like, "This is it. <laughs> this is where I die, guys." <laughs> and they said, "You made it to the semifinals," and I was like, "Oh my god, I made it to the semifinals!" <laughs> This is like a shonen, dude. It's like you're yeah, battling really every opponent, like at every level of the tower, you know? Yeah, you, like... and then I had another interview <laughs> next week. Yeah. God, there's so many interviews. Can I, can I like, chime in with Go the on. other side of it? Because, so, like, I mean, I worked at Nick for a while, and I was actually a part of the judging process for uh, a couple of years, at least. Mm-hmm. And um, it's... It, it's interesting because like they they get so many portfolios i I feel like this is valuable information to to get to for anybody that's looking to apply um they get a lot of portfolios and Mm -hmm. um just to sift through them they ask for help from artists that work at nick just professionals that are working at nick uh just to try to narrow down the pool um and so you have to go on top of the work you're already doing mm-hmm. they ask you to have to go through like tons and tons of portfolios and just kind of like rate them and figure out what uh, the best fit would be and from there they come up with a pool of people I don't know how many it ends up being but then they go through those interviews and um, and so it's like it's just slowly like just whittling down the people who would be a good fit Cause, and let me tell you I've done that there's a ton of portfolios that are so underwhelming and it's just like, it feels like people just threw some stuff together and put it up, you know, and submitted it, which is fair, but somebody has to go through it. Mm -hmm. And that's mostly to say that like, if you're applying to this thing, you better put your best work at the front and you have make sure that everything is exactly formatted the way they asked. Like 
you have to do everything right and then some because it is you, we're looking at a lot like the people who are judging those are looking at a ton and it's the stuff that is really good stands out oh um, yes you are a hundred percent right like I think for my year, and I only know this because they told us this, for my the year I applied, they had over a thousand submissions that year. Yeah. And they whittled mm. it down to twenty-five. And then they whittled yeah, it that, down yeah. to sixteen. And then they whittled it down to eight people. And then they got yeah. the final five. Um yeah, it makes takes a lot of sense because yeah. it's like that's very similar to the um, to the selection for Goblin, for people who like take the entrance exam for Goblin, because I, I talk to teachers who go through the portfolios and it's extremely similar. So like you have 800 application, you only have like 25 people that they can take in. So they actually, what they told me is like, they look at all the portfolios and they put into three pile. They're like, mm -hmm. they're like, nope, never pile. They're like, yeah, eh, maybe. And they're like, looks real good pile so you mm -hmm. want to try to get in the looks real good pile <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you really want that and i think the at least what i learned from from that whole entire interviewing experience i think what made me stand out in at least in my submission was solid drawing and then yes. solid like staging and cinematography knowledge and then also putting putting a story that was just original out there because when i was in the final interviews a lot of the people were asking me questions about what the actual story was about inside my like on the storyboards and they were like i feel like you're like a fan of anime and all this stuff and i just want to know more I was like yeah i am <laughs> that's so, really yeah. cool yeah that's great it's a bit of a gamble because you don't know who you're because like yeah from there they just kind of pick whoever were the judges for the original uh, batch. And then, uh, yeah, we do these like series of interviews and they would just ask us. Uh, yeah, I mean, the thing is, is like for the people coming in and then you probably experienced this, you're, you walk into a room and it's like six artists that all just yeah. like turn to look at you. And it's, it's so like, tell us why you deserve. Yeah, tell us why you deserve to be here. And it's like, I can't imagine how nerve wracking it is. And a lot of, this is more of a, my beef with the process, but a lot of, <laughs> A lot of artists are awkward people mm. and uh it was always i always would like take on the duty of just making the candidate feel a little bit less like overwhelmed like just try to talk to them like people because yeah the, people, the judges would be like why do you think you would be a good fit for nickelodeon it's like all these like <laughs> loaded questions like what makes your work stand out and i'd just be like what's your favorite anime <laughs> like i just want to know like i want to know like who the person is more than these like ridiculous questions that no one ever has to answer in a job interview you know i don't know it's i, I like i'm gonna be the devil's advocate on this one but i think it kind of makes sense that people would ask like these kind of like scary questions because it's also like you know the studio is also trying to hire someone like 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 from from the corporate standpoint right like mm. i'm talking purely business they're looking at you like wow you you've already de demonstrated you can draw and tell stories now can you also be a business person and sell yourself because if you can do that hey maybe you're a good <sighs> yeah, the but... candidate for a show later on you know i'm just oh uh, but that's so much that's asking so much of people who just need I like know. these are people that are out of school and they just want to find a job and I, to me that's like can you can we 
can we take it easy? Like, can we just I, hire people mm. for their work first? I, I don't know. Maybe Lee can can chime I'm in. Trying to, I'm trying to see because I'm, I'm, I'm like in the middle. <laughs> I'm oh, also okay. saying like, I'm also saying like, I'm talking purely business here, but like from a purely business standpoint is like, you want to try to hire your next like Alex Hirsch or your next like, that's true. I don't know, you know, syrup, you know? So you're kind of trying to look for that like, story i don't know you know not I, but it's I, a trainee I, well anyway that's i don't a whole know i'm just thing. talking out of my ass i could this you listener who too is listening to this do not listen to me listen to do me. not listen i i think that it's asking too much that's my position because i think that these are trainee positions and to expect people to be the next alex hirsch and and, rep- and, and present that in an interview where they're already overwhelmed is like and, and after six interviews or whatever, it's like, that's unfair. And that's insane. Yeah. I, I think mm-hmm. that people should just have their work and should just um, kind of show their personality and if they're easy to work with. And then it's not even like you're guaranteed a job beyond that. And nobody mm. that's applying for a job has to go through that kind of scrutiny, really. That's and because it's like, I, there's, I've gotten jobs with barely an interview before, you know, or people will do a test and then get the job. That's that pays so better than the artist program. So it's it's like, I get the whittling down process, but I think the interviews can be a little brutal. Yeah, they're, they're very I, intense. Like, uh, in the final interviews, I do three panel interviews in a day, three or four in a day. What? So, that's yeah. Crazy. That's like, insane. We, yeah, we that's what each, I'm saying. Like, we would each get, like, a number. Or, like, they would, they would give us an order. Like, today's order is going to be Lee, so-and-so, this person, that person, this. And then we all go in order. And we would do, like, one in the morning, like, one or two in the morning, and then, like, one or two in the afternoon. But they were very much, like, only maybe 10 minutes long. And they were always Um, Mm back-to-back. But I do – I mean, I hear both of your guys' like, arguments because I do think that it is a little bit much – to have like these really fresh new emerging artists have to do a very intense interview process and i'm only used to it because i've done job interviews before so i'm i'm just good at reading like the room i guess when it comes to who's Mm -hmm. in the room because i remember in particular in one of the panel one of the final panel interviews clearly these people were like executives like corporate people like Ooh. just the just the air around them, I immediately picked yeah. up. These people are more corporate. I have to behave a certain way. So I remember them asking a question along the lines of, "What's a bad work experience that you've had, and how did you handle it?" And personally, this is actually the truth. I don't believe in bad work experiences. I just think of them as challenging ones, and they're still good because I learned something at the end of the day. But I finessed it in a way where I explained to them that. I don't believe in bad job experiences. Yes, sometimes irritating, sometimes frustrating, but the challenge at the end of the day taught me something new so that the next time around, I know how to handle the situation. And you have to do- You're really good. Yeah, (laughs) like you have have to do stuff like that. (laughs) No, that is so good. No, that is so good. And like, no, no, for real, this is really great. This is like the million dollar question. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like, if if you don't have experience doing that, especially as like an artist who, you know, artists tend to be a little bit more introverted and, you know, they don't, they don't do that type of stuff unless they like work retail. I don't know. Uh, if, if you don't have that experience is what I'm saying. 
um it, it's hard to like sell yourself in those aspects um but yeah I, I i do understand like wanting to make sure this person is like the right fit but also they're young and they're just trying their best so you should also be uh, you can hold it back a little bit we can have a happy medium here you don't have to put too much pressure on them yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah, yeah that's how I, the, I think that's how the interview process went for me which is very brutal <laughs> that's really good to yeah. hear i love that you're giving all this information and i think that's like really important and great and it's just like um unfortunately unfortunately that's the reality of the interview process for 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 more than just nickelodeon like yeah disney has an equally intensive um interview process i don't know about the other studios but um definitely it's something that you like that artists need to to be like aware of at least you know so yeah, yeah. or at least like just be good at like reading people um which is easier said than done but trust me like if you if you do take the time to like socialize and get to know like industry pros and all that type of stuff you'll start to you'll start to pick up like the different personalities and who you can be you know a little bit more casual with or who you have to be a little bit more formal with because that was that was my case when i was interviewed for star trek lower decks um i did not test for that show they interviewed me and i came into that interview preparing to be like formal because it was the supervising director and the line producer mm -hmm. and then i immediately saw the both of them were wearing anime shirts and i was like never mind we're switching uh -huh. <laughs> yeah switching gears we're switching i think, gears like, I think right that's now. something really good that you're that you're mentioning right now is that um i think i mean at least for me coming from france to the to la to hollywood I was like, what is the difference between like a supervising director or an executive producer and a studio executive? Like for mm -hmm. me, it's like there's executive or director in all these titles. I don't understand the difference. And there is a difference. Yeah. <laughs> so really fast, like studio executive, you're dealing with corporate. Uh, executive producer, probably a showrunner. So yeah. very different people. Executive producer is uh this, this is not for you lee because you know that stuff but it's for like the audience for, it's for the audience it's good info. Yeah. <laughs> executive producer is like the a synonym for showrunner i mean you can you know you can have multiple executive producers on the show but that means they're both showrunners um yeah studio executive or like vp or like you know like that kind of title that's when mm -hmm. you're dealing with corporate yeah also, they just dress yeah. differently. I mean, not all of them do this, but I'm when I I see what people wear, I just immediately think to myself, they're this type of person. That might be the New Yorker in me. <laughs> that might be the New Yorker. I mean, yeah, you got to get a read on people. I think that's just human nature. Um, yeah, but that was uh, the interview process. Did you want to hear about my day to day of being a trainee? Hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So, gosh. So a day-to-day -day of being a Nickelodeon storyboard artist trainee, once you're assigned to a production, which takes about like 30 days into it because there's a whole guild like protocol thing where they have to wait 30 days before they put you on an actual production. I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, so usually a day-to-day -day would be like, I would come in 
And in the morning, I would work on the social media post that I had to do because as a trainee, in order to promote you online, you have to do like these weekly posts on their Instagram, on the Nick Artist Instagram. So I decided to do a comic uh, about my journey from childhood up until the moment I became uh, a Nick trainee. And it was more like the weird anecdote, an- yeah, anecdotes mm-hmm. of my life. Yeah, anecdote. Um, <laughs> anecdote of my life. I don't know words. Um, yeah, the weird like moments in my life where I remember them being weird, but in the long run, it made sense in the end and somehow led me to this point of my life. So I, yeah, I come in, I grab a croissant in the cafe, uh, go upstairs, and I spent like the first like couple hours of the morning like roughing out my comic that I was gonna do. And then by the time it was like close around lunch, I would get my assignment from my mentor, who was the co-EP for Rugrats, because I was a sign on Rugrats. And mm-hmm. yeah, I I get my assignment for however long the deadline was, and I would just like work. <laughs> and then also in between that, uh, between working and then doing a social media, a weekly social media post, I was also making illustrations for an art book for the Nick Artist Program, because that's also another thing that we do. And then we had meet and greets with people within the studio. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so it's yeah. a lot of juggling different things at once. Um, and I go home at six o'clock and crash because I did so much in a day. And then the panini hit. And then I just sat in my chair. (laughs) (laughs) That's really cool, though. I love that they did do the work of setting you up with all like these meet and greets and like people to get like get to know you. And maybe they like that's a chance for them to follow your social media. And then yeah, what are you up to? And get like you know, uh, have it always felt awkward though because like everybody in the studio in Nickelodeon. They're always excited about the new trainees and, and the interns too, but because the trainee program has like a curriculum, it's really it's really stupid. But they're not necessarily allowed to approach us. Oh, interesting. Like, yeah, yeah so, I've, hey. heard, I've heard that. Yeah, I remember one time. So I met so at a mixer that Nickelodeon was holding. I met with an EP who I was a fan of. I was a fan of their work. And I like we we got to chat for like a little bit, and then we like crossed paths again the next day at work. And I was like, "Would you would would you mind like having lunch sometime?" Like, because in my head I thought this is what I do, right? This is how I socialize, right? Um, and they said yes. And me being super excited that like, oh my goodness, I'm accomplishing one of my goals of being more social and like getting to know like uh, jobs that like I particularly want to move up into executive producer duh um and like I go to my manager (laughs) I went to my manager all excited like look at this thing I did like I connected with a person and we're gonna have lunch and they 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 seemed really nice and they gave me advice about this type of thing and um I did not know that this particular person I was supposed to meet in a meet and greet (laughs) down the line because they don't tell so, us, uh, they don't tell us this type of stuff. We, it just happens upon us 
pretty much. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up having to cancel the lunch and I had to explain to them, it's like, it's not that I don't want lunch with you, but apparently there's a whole entire like curriculum thing that I have to adhere to. And they were like, no, it's okay. I understand. Like, I don't want to like step yeah. on anybody's toes and I didn't want to step on yeah, anybody's toes either. Um, but it didn't matter in the end because when we got quarantined and started working from home, the meet and greet situation became more difficult because technology, Zoom calls, all that type of stuff. Yeah. And then people surprisingly just became more busy because bringing a whole entire animation production into your household ruins like your whole entire flow. Yep. Um, so in the end, I ended up reaching out back to this EP and I was like, hey, I know I, I know there's like a curriculum and everything, but it seems like it's still, I don't know what's going on, but I would still really like to like just chat with you for a, like 40 minutes, 30 minutes. I don't care. And and we did and it ended really well. Um, but yeah, it, it's stuff like that where uh, the meet and greets were like great, but sometimes it was a bit frustrating because we wanted to talk to people and the, everybody else wanted to talk to us, but because of the curriculum that was placed, we weren't really allowed to like go so far into talking with other people if that makes any sense like we that's had to so, wait <laughs> that is so interesting this is some of the things that like like you know like honestly from what from the story you're telling like i would have done exactly the same things you have done like this is the kind of thing that's like corporate has invisible rules that yeah you not know you, like, yeah how, it's crazy that they would expect anyone to know these invisible rules unfortunately corporate world has a, a billion of those and they're all different from a studio to another so yeah my my are. advice is my advice is not <laughs> <laughs> i i think i think that you should do whatever the hell you want that's going to help your career and like like ask for forgiveness, not permission, because there's been so many situations that I've been in and or other people have been in where it's like, oh, you weren't supposed to do that. It's like, well, it got me to where I needed to be and you weren't doing anything for me. So yeah. I don't know. I just I think that like ultimately you have your fate in your hands. And I think the people who obviously you don't want to piss anyone off, you don't want to overstep. But a lot of the time if you just do a thing that you already got the connection, you already made that friendship, whatever, whatever it may be, whatever situation it may be. And like, let them figure out what to do with, with that, you know, like let them figure out what the, if, if it was the right, uh, if it was within the boundaries or whatever, because that EP now knows you. Now you have a little bit more of a connection than you would have if it was just a boring, like, <laughs> standard meet and greet you know and uh that kind of stuff means more those connections mean more than very sterile curated yeah uh, meetings I, with like, a capital m yeah like uh there was a meet i had a meet and greet with my mentor and it was just really weird because by the time this meet and greet happened he knew me <laughs> like right he like knew me as a person and like knew my sense of humor and knew my interest and all that stuff. So it was yeah, just weird to be like, hi, my name is Lee Cree. And I am like, it just feels very uncomfortable and very superficial at that point. How, oh, who is in the meet and greet? Like, cause is it just a one-on-one -on -one or like what, what do you, so, uh, what do those like specific interaction look like? 
So it's all the trainees basically interviewing one to like sometimes like four people at once. I see. So it's like, yeah, it's like a panel, I guess. It's like really weird, but sometimes it'd be one person. Most of the times it's like two to three people. And at the start of it, you start with the alumni of the program and then you work your way up to like executive oh. people. But because of the work from home situation, a lot of it got shuffled around. A lot of rescheduling happened and a lot of cancellations happened. So mm. in the end, I ended up doing more on my own outside of the program. Like I'd be like, hey, we follow each other on Twitter. Do you mind if I like, ask yeah. you a few questions about like, yeah. like that type of stuff? And Honestly, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what you should do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you're you're gonna always be. There's always gonna be something that holds you back from, you know, there, there's always gonna be some weird expectations, and it happens. It happens even when you're uh, like a working professional. Like there's gonna be things oh, yeah. that you're not supposed to do. Oh um, yeah. Like you're not supposed to do prop design. You're not supposed to do X, <laughs> Y, and Z. There's like always these weird limitations, it's, and there's, there's reasons for them. But I think that you do what you got to do to set yourself apart. And uh, sometimes that means, you know, breaking the rules a little bit. But oh, like, man. I broke them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but here you way, are. In a, in, a, in a very lawful, good way. Like, you didn't. <laughs> I didn't say break laws. <laughs> laws know, yeah. laws <laughs> are one thing, but rules are stupid. A lot of the time, rules are stupid and they're based in some somebody else that uh wants to benefit from you know restricting how you do things or you know so it's just like obviously just be smart about it um but uh yeah i i there's been so many situations where i went around you know some limitation and then turns out like oh that was what i was supposed to do the whole time because trying to do it the right way was keeping me yeah me down. So yeah. it, you just got to be smart. Be smart. Think outside the box. I was yeah. going to ask, uh, Lee, um, I realized that you said you started the trainee program um, and the pandemic hit the Panini. But um, the panini. you worked on so many shows. Like how, like how long is the training <laughs> program and how did you Ooh. get to work on all these shows? <laughs> oh, the pro the training program was six months long. The writing program is nine months long. Wait, um, hold on. Did you do both of these, or do you no, just no, no, no. About both. I, okay. I just, I just know that information because at the end of the trainee program, the writing, the writer, uh, writer trainees were also in our like farewell party Zoom party thingy, and they're okay. like, oh, what, where are you going? And they're like, oh, we have another three months. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay like what so uh the the artist program is only six months long and during that i was assigned to rugrats uh and then towards the towards the end of the program so like towards like april may they start shopping you around on other productions as well as like to other studios, like they, they openly tell you, like, if you want to look outside Nickelodeon, you can do that because sometimes the timing is just not right. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, they were shopping me around and there were a couple of productions at the time that were starting up, but they were primarily preschool shows and 
I mean, mm. don't get me wrong. I watch Bubble Guppies all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Those songs slap. But, yeah. <laughs> but preschool is just something I don't necessarily like want to work in I've worked on Sesame Street and I'm just like you know it's cool but I I, I feel like I want to do more and maybe later in my life I might change my mind and work in preschool Who, who's to say so who's to say I did I tested for a show a preschool show uh at Nickelodeon passed the test they offered me the job but ultimately I said no <laughs> and I felt bad because they gave me a yeah, test and everything yeah, yeah. and like my mentor recommended to me and I was just like listen yeah, but that happens. Too. No, you do what you gotta do. Yeah. yeah. I think that's great. You got experience with psych taking the test. And, you know, like at the end of the day, you took the freaking test. Like you worked for the show already. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. it was like I took the test. But yeah, yeah, I already had freelance like on the back burner, like ready to go just in case I would go a period of time without work. So it was uh, to animate on like an indie pilot uh, called Port by the Sea. Yeah, Port by the Sea. I, I did like one or two shots in between mm. that and i want to say like a couple weeks after the artist program ended tip mouse reached out to me and they were like we want to interview you for a revisionist position on star trek lower decks and they had sent me like stuff from the show i think they sent me like the first episode or something and i was like oh okay i, I don't know i never thought i'd work in adult animation I'm not sure about this. The style kind of looks like Family Guy, but all right, yeah. I'll give it a go. I watched the episode. I I laughed out loud. And I was like, this is a really funny show. And also, mm -hmm. I'm a Star Trek fan. So Yeah. That's <laughs> um, great. Yeah, so I said, okay, I'll, I'll take the interview. Let's see how this goes. Uh, went through the interview. We were on for like over an hour. It was supposed to be only 30 minutes long, but we ended up like just talking for a while about anime and stuff it was just a good feeling and a good vibe and yeah. they, then they hired me <laughs> nice. that's awesome that's yeah great. they hired me on lower decks and then i started on lower decks august of 2020 to the end of january but towards no actually towards october november Critical Role Ooh. had messaged me, had emailed me, and they were like, hello, would you be interested in doing, like, freelance for Critical Role? Mm -hmm. And in my head, I thought, wait, is it that, isn't it that one Kickstarter show that, like, got $11 million or something like that? And I had to, like, research because at that time, I think there were, like, multiple D&D shows in development because yeah. there's also, like, The Adventure Zone and Magic the Gathering or something. Um, so I was confused as to like which one it was. And then I found out it was Critical Role. And I was like, oh, I know about Critical Role because, uh, I had an RA in college who would like D&D &D and stuff. And they were like fans of the show. So I mm -hmm. thought, okay, I know enough about the show at least to work on it. So I accepted the freelance. They had me do cleanup revisions the first time around. And I remember opening that storyboard file and immediately thinking, oh, God, I don't think I can work on this show. This is out of I, I'm not in the league of this show. It was oh. it was it was so amazing. And these were the roughs. These rough storyboards were so amazing that I felt like I was doing a crime by cleaning them up. <laughs> 
honestly though isn't that the best feeling like when you're like on a show and you're like oh i think i might be able to do it but i'm not sure you know yeah like, that's, that's like the best it's that's like, a challenge it's a challenge yeah but yeah uh so i i finished that one around like november towards like the middle of november because it was around thanksgiving or something of the sort and i want to say a week or so after that they contacted me again and they're like hey do you want to do pages like freelance for like do pages i was like uh are you sure i i guess we i i guess so because it was towards the end of uh, lower deck season two so my workload wasn't a lot um so i i, I picked up the freelance and thought eh, this is this is this is fine this is just a one-time thing i cleaned up their boards now i'm just gonna do like a couple pages for them for an episode it was like towards the end of the episode like mostly dialogue and all that stuff like wrapping up the loose ends of whatever story was happening and going on so i said yes and they're like great the uh kickoff meeting is this and this day and i was like wait do i have to do i have to join oh no so i joined the kickoff meeting and there I meet Alicia, who was previously on Rise of TMNT, Sungjin, who was on Korra, Travis, uh -huh. who voices Grog, Sam, who voices Scanlan. And I was just like, oh my God, I don't think I should be here. I really don't think I should be here. And they, they, they kick me off and all that stuff. And they're like, yeah, have the rough, the thumbnails hand in by this day. We'll have a rough review. You'll get notes. And then you'll have this amount of time to do cleans. And then you hand them in. I was like, okay, fine. Okay. So while doing these uh, thumbnails, I had immense imposter syndrome. Like, I don't, I don't know why they're asking me to do this. This is, this is just not good. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know what's going on in this story. I don't even know what these characters look like. I mean, I, I did, but like, I didn't understand like how they're constructed and everything. Um, <laughs> I was just, I, I felt like I was in over my head, like 12 feet deep in a pool drowning, like, okay, fine. So uh, handing the, the thumbnails, and we did the rough review and then I waited like a week or something for them to give me notes because it took a while because it was a whole episode. Um, yeah. And they're like, hey, uh, here are your notes. There, you, you did great. Like there was not that many notes. Like, You're lying. That's not true. <laughs> I did a bad job. And then I actually looked through it and yeah, a lot of the notes were just like hookup make sure the arm yeah. is cut off here like it was really small stuff i was like oh i actually did a pretty decent job oh, i man. guess we are our own worst critics yeah yeah so they're like yeah uh have the cleans done by uh this date and yeah you'll you'll be fine i was like oh cool fine awesome so then they let they let me off and do do my cleanup boards and around christmas the production manager messaged me and they were like hey would you be interested in a full-time position on Critical Role? Nice. And I said, as a revisionist? Or, like, what's going on? He's like, yeah, we want to hire you full-time as a revisionist. And I thought, can I, can I think about this? I actually told them, can I think about this? Because I'm not sure if I want to do this. The show is pretty big, and 
I don't know if I'm like capable of doing the show or working on it. So they gave me like a week to think about it, which I deeply appreciate that they did. And I ended up like talking to my mom and my stepdad about it. <laughs> They're like, why won't you say yes? Like, isn't this something that you wanted to do? Isn't it like the people that are working on this show, people you admire and want to work with? And I said, yeah, but I'm afraid that I'm going to be so bad that they're going to fire me. <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah. I, I mean, I get it. Yeah, I, I, I get it. It's just super imposter syndrome in that moment. But my parents were, they, they let me down gently. And they were like, they wouldn't be asking you to work on their show if they didn't think yeah. you, were, you were capable of doing it. And I thought about 100%. it. I was like, yeah, you're right. Uh, they, 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 they wouldn't do that. So I accepted the job. Uh, and then, yeah, at the end of Lower Decks, I hopped right onto Critical Role and have been working on it since January of this year. Oh, yeah. And- nice. That's awesome. That is so cool. <laughs> I love that. That is so great. <laughs> I would love to hear how you deal with creative block and what it feels like to you. Oh, man. I haven't felt well serious creative block. I've only felt it twice in my life, which was when I graduated high school and when I graduated college. Because <laughs> um, those were just yeah. very stressful. When you, were, when you were going through it, yeah. Nice. yeah I was just going through it and... Uh, I had to produce high amounts of art that I was not necessarily invested in. Mm-hmm. But normally for me, creative block, I don't get it that strongly that more. Maybe it's because I don't care anymore. <laughs> but usually if I find myself unable to draw or something or just feel creative, I just don't force myself to, to draw, to be quite honest. Like I just don't force myself yeah. to be creative if my I just don't feel like being creative or if I don't feel like storyboarding, I just switch off to animating or if I don't feel like animating, I'll switch off to storyboarding or if I don't feel like doing animating or storyboarding, I'll switch off to writing. So I think uh, personally for me, having different facets of creativity that are different enough to still make you feel creative, but not make you feel like you're doing the same thing over and over again, getting frustrated about that um, is immensely important to me. What else? Going outside, breathing fresh air. Yeah, all meeting, good stuff. Meeting friends. Like, I think it's just important to, you know, live life and take 100%. care take care of yourself. Like, be kind to yourself, I guess is what I'm trying to say. That's how I usually get over creative blocks or potential ones. If I feel it creeping up. I'm like, maybe... I should just read that manga that's been on my dresser for four months and I'll be okay. Yeah. That, that's how I deal with it. <laughs> I no, that makes away. I think those are great, uh, great tips. Yep. We had some questions. Let's see from, from Twitter. Oh, so many. Uh, from at Bowtie Buns. How did you come across the idea of animating in Clip Studio Paint? Was it easy to transition your animation skills to it or were there any challenges? What led me to the decision was I hate Adobe. Uh, yeah. So uh, my school only had the Adobe Creative Suite. Uh, yeah, they only had that. Although most and most uh, studios use like Toon Boom and stuff or TV Paint. 
but my school did not have the money to afford that. So they only had the creative suite. And I just really didn't like, I didn't like the interface of Photoshop because it's not animator friendly. And I really disliked how clunky, like, well, it's animate now, but when it was Flash, um, how Flash slash animate was at that time and point. And I feel like every time they make a new version, they make it less animator friendly. <laughs> um, yeah, so the decision to use Clip Studio Paint was purely based on, I don't like Adobe and I can't afford Harmony and I can't afford uh, TV Paint because I'm a poor college student. And yeah. when I was about 19, Clip Studio Paint announced an animation feature and I thought, oh, maybe, maybe this might work. And Clip Studio Paint is very, very affordable. Like I think... If you don't catch it on a sale, it's like what no more than three hundred dollars for like the maximum package, and it's an indefinite. It's cheaper than that. Yeah, yeah, like it's way cheaper. And then if you catch it on the sale, it's even more cheap. And it's a. I I yeah I bought a tablet for uh I don't even know it was like a hundred bucks or something, and it came with Clip Studio Paint. That's amazing. So that was a fucking bargain. Yeah. So yeah. like it, they kind of hand it out, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I mean it just works, but yeah. Um, as for the second part of the question, was it hard to? What was the second part? Was it hard to translate? Uh, was it easy to transition your animation skills to uh, CSP, or were there any challenges? Oh, there was a ton of challenges, mainly because the whole entire interface in itself for Clip Studio Paint is just so different from everything else, like any other program. But also, yeah. I was also trying to figure out my own animating style, to be quite honest, because I think most people who have seen my animation can clearly tell that I like the Sakuga-like look. Sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, Looks great. Yeah, it's like, I like that, but I, I also want to retain something that's like disney in there i don't know um so a lot uh yeah a lot of it came down to just trial and error and there were a ton of challenges of like well how do i how do i optimize this program so that it i can draw very efficiently and i can move things around as quickly as possible and get the result i want and it just came down to you know taking time to learn the program learn the tools the learn their strengths and weaknesses and you know customizing it to your needs and optimizing it to your needs so that it's that maximum proficiency but that's I, any software i think yeah that's just, just yeah it's any software i just think like you just have to spend the time there's no like magic brush or magic right. tool you actually just have to learn how to use the program yep. mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah it's like anything it's like learning an instrument mm -hmm. Everything, everything uh, can work if you put the effort in. From at Derek Malik Joe, uh, what is your favorite art book that you constantly see yourself going back and finding inspiration in? This might be something that people might think it's like out of left field, but I constantly go back to Uchida's Mas, Mas, how do you say? Masuya, Ma, no, wait, hold on. I have to look up his name because he's a painter. Uchida... Masayasu he's a he's like a mm -hmm. painter and a poet and I own three of his books and he basically just paints these 
Japanese like landscapes across like you know the countryside and it's very it's very minimal I guess you can say because it's just blocks of color but he has such a strong sense of composition color design um color theory uh that I just I, I just look at it all the time when I think of man I want to make stuff like this I want to make worlds that feel lived in like his work even though they're just flat pieces of color they they all feel like actual people live in there so yeah Uchida Masayasu's books is uh, a constant go back to I cool for you yeah. <laughs> that's really great that is so sweet <laughs> from at Ferocia uh, guest and friend, former guest and friend. Uh, how do you balance work you do for work and work you do for yourself? <laughs> uh, I have a planner. <laughs> oh, do you really? Yes, I have a planner That's where great. it breaks down my whole entire day in hour intervals. So Holy let's shit. yeah. So let's say uh, I'll draw like a little arrow between like not like seven and eight and I'll put in there exercise and then I'll go from eight to nine and do breakfast emails and that type of stuff and then usually by the time it's like 10 a.m I start doing like actual work work um and I basically break up all the projects that I work in into small increments throughout my day so like usually towards the end of the week I've finished a bunch of work and I just have to hand it in um and get like notes on it so that's generally how i uh balance work work and then personal work and then also there are just times where if i feel like i'm stuck on something i'll just step away from it and then come back to it again eventually um thankfully i haven't done that too much or too long but yeah just know when to step away from things and if you're like me, plan out every single hour of your day. <laughs> hey, if that Honestly, works, I mean, that's, that's crazy. That's like a tip that I've seen multiple times. So yeah, it just works for me. <laughs> no, if, yeah, if it works, then do it. I'm starting to think maybe I should do that because that sounds great. From at Dominic VD Hoff, what are some animated scenes that you still think about sometimes? Ooh, oh, actually. I read this question and I had to prepare it beforehand because I had an immediate like list of scenes. Um, so I think most people would assume since I'm an anime fan, I'm going to pick like the stuff you see on like Sakugaburu or something, um, mm -hmm. which by the way, it, it's not wrong, but personally for me, what I look for in an animated scene are things that are like, invisible in a sense like you don't realize how much work went into making that thing feel real or like just like choices it's certain choices in an animated scene that makes it work really well for that particular moment uh so i'm gonna start off my i, I picked i picked three i picked three <laughs> so my uh my first one is uh episode 10 of an anime called Hyoka, there is a particular dialogue moment between the main character and his best friend. And they're walking down the street and they're talking about how they how they can help like the film club with their problem. 
because they basically solve mysteries in the show, even though they're in high school, whatever. And this whole entire dialogue is storyboarded so well, and it breaks the 180 rule very effectively without you noticing. Hmm. And the character acting is really, really nice, but also it's a very quiet, tense, dramatic moment between the two characters because this is the moment where you see their ideals are clashing, but they're not like fighting like shonen battles. They're just doing it through words and the the cinematography is showcasing it. So if you're ever watching Hyoka and you find that scene in episode 10, that is hands down one of my favorite animated scenes that I constantly think about uh, and analyze because I, I don't know how they did it. And I want a storyboard like that. The second one is from an anime called Descending Stories which is a historical drama, period drama, about the dying art of Rakugo, which is the Japanese equivalent of like stand-up comedy uh, in the Showa era. And it's in the very first episode when the main character, Yotaro, is doing his very first Rakugo uh, performance. And that whole entire sequence is incredibly beautiful and executed well and has so many layered moments and storytelling from the voice acting to the sound design to the storyboarding to the small character acting um like every every bit of uh, Yotaro's uh, performance in that particular episode is amazing and I constantly think about it all the time and thinking wow this is <laughs> I wish I could storyboard like this again um and I wish I can animate character acting like this but not many people know about descending stories because it's not like a very bombastic anime it's a historical piece but if you enjoy storytelling and both visual and oral storytelling it is definitely uh, a highly recommended uh, anime and one of my favorites and then lastly i have i guess you can call it action it's from haikyuu in the most recent season uh -huh. four, when Hinata does a perfect receive um, during his, <laughs> um, like during the match between uh, Karasuno and Inarizaki, and when Aran like spikes and Hinata like finally gets a perfect receive, I absolutely love that whole entire episode because there are very quick, snappy character acting moments that if you're not paying attention you're just probably like wow they're just moving so fast but they're just ah oh, it's so good it's so good <laughs> it's amazing. yeah that show looks great it's amazing yeah those are uh those are some those are some <laughs> those are great what are your uh goals and aspirations for your career and so on uh i think i mentioned like showrunner ep I think that's like sure. a, a given, but after that, I would really maybe like to teach. Mm, okay. Yeah, mainly because I grew up in circumstances where the animation industry wasn't necessarily accessible to me, even though I lived in New York, which is one of the main hubs for animation. But yeah, I I would love to either teach, whether it's like professionally or just like workshops and stuff for kids in similar situations that I grew up in where 
yeah they 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 know they want to be creative but they don't have the resources accessible to them to able to you know learn and hone their skills um yeah i think offhandedly on twitter i said i wanted to open an animation cafe <laughs> so yeah that's great <laughs> that's really cute i think those are great goals pay it forward yeah <laughs> Well, I think that's the end of this creative block. Thanks to Lee for being our guest and sharing her story. And thanks to your listeners. Follow us on Twitter. That's at Creative Block, Creative Without the Vowels, where we ask for drawing prompts and questions to ask our guests. Huge thanks to my sister Clemens for editing the podcast. Please subscribe to the channel if you love our content. I've been your host, Gene. And I was V, keeping creative, and we'll see you next week. Yay. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>